Morning, everyone. Greeting in Jesus' name. Enjoyed the service so, this, so far this morning. Um, it's inspired, and I want to continue um, our thoughts and worship. Um, you may turn to Psalm 90. <clears throat> Psalm 90. Life is moving on, and um, I still consider myself quite young, but it really seems like the older I get, the more that reality of life is short and life is fragile. For me, one of those defining moments of life was when my first grandparent passed away, those people that were always there ever since I can remember, here when I was born, there for all the important things in life. Suddenly, they're gone. For some of you, maybe it wasn't grandparents, but other people even closer to you. Things begin to change, and time moves on. We get older, and time is no respecter of persons. It keeps moving on down the line. It might be our parents, our older brothers and sisters, and finally one day it will be us. And we cannot even go by the age factor either. The passing of time affects every one of us, and we don't know what the future holds. We could be severely injured, have life-altering circumstances, or totally called from this life at any moment. We had the school program yesterday, and we're reminded of the passing of time. Children are getting older, moving on to the next grade next year. The teachers are moving on to something else. There'll be new teachers next year. Time brings change, and big changes tend to make us think about the passing of time. We just expect that we have quite a few more years ahead of us, and we got things under control. Maybe our chaotic lifestyle and busy life doesn't even allow us to think about the passing of time. How often do we pause and consider life? How about we do that for a moment this morning? Just pause and think about your life, where you are. How old are you? I was well into studying this lesson, and suddenly I remembered, I guess I have a birthday this week. I'll be 35. Time moves on quickly. Think about some hard things we've gone through. Maybe we're going through some hard things right now. Maybe we've fallen short of some of our goals. Maybe we've been let down by important people in our life. How about the friends and family we miss who went home to be with Jesus? Remember things that happened a year ago, five years ago, 10, 20, 30. It's hard for me to believe that I can already remember things that happened 30 years ago. I can remember when my parents were 30 years old. And here I am, past 30 already. You see what time does to us. It changes our perspective on life. If we drew a chart of our life expectancy, where would we place ourselves on that line? The fact is, we could be right at the very end, and we don't know that. If we're older, we're thinking, well, maybe we're getting towards the end, but we still expect to have a little more time, don't we? If we're young, we think we have lots of time. 
It's not a very comfortable thing to do, is it? Sit here and think about our life that, you know, might be near the end of our life. And I say this to challenge myself, but if it makes us uncomfortable and to think about those things, how quickly life moves on and the reality that we will be passing on before we know it, I wonder if we are considering these things often enough. And do we really consider who is in control of life after all? Maybe it even strikes fear in our hearts because we know that we are not right with God. I believe this passage this morning is for all of us. And no matter what feeling we get when we stop and consider our life seriously, this prayer of Moses from God for all of us can give understanding, peace, direction for our life, no matter what spot in life we find ourselves. So let's read these verses. Psalm 90. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood, they are as a sleep. In the morning they are like grass, which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are three score years and ten. And if by any reason their strength they be four score years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. First off, we see... Moses acknowledging God's love and care. Verse 1, God is our dwelling place. What is home to you? Security, stability, peace, and comfort. We say there's no place like home. Under normal circumstances, home is the go-to place. I mentioned at the beginning that feeling of stability of my grandparents always being there, our parents always being there. Home is where we go for stability. But one day... Our parents, our grandparents may not be there for us, but God, he's there for all generations, all the expanse of time, actually, and and into eternity. Why is it so important that God is our home, our dwelling place? Hebrews 11, verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Philippians 3, verse 20, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God's people are strangers and pilgrims in the earth. We don't have that strong attachment to earthly things. We are on the move as the Israelites were, headed for the promised land. 
God is our home and our stability. Is it coincidence that both Jesus and Paul both only mention food and raiment in Matthew 6, 25, verse 31? Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? And then First Timothy, Timothy 6, verse 8, And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. They understood that God is our home now and in eternity. Maybe that's another whole topic, but do we really understand how little we really need when God, when we have God in our life and He's fully in control? Verse 2 says, From everlasting to everlasting. God was, is, and always will be. If we put a line representing eternity and the dot that is supposed to stand for our short time period or even the broad expanse of time would not be measurable on that line because eternity is immeasurable. And if God is the God of eternity, he's definitely the God of time. We don't have to worry about him being there for us. He is God is the divine parent of the universe. We also see God's control of the earth. He created it. He created it all. He is our home both now and throughout eternity. Charles Spurgeon put it this way, To the saints, the Lord Jehovah, the self-existent God, stands instead of mansion and root tree. He shelters, comforts, protects, preserves, and cherishes all his own. Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the saints dwell in their God. And have always done so in all ages. Not in the tabernacle or the temple do we dwell, but in God himself. And this we have always done since there was a church in the world. We have not shifted our abode. King's palaces have vanished beneath the crumbling hand of time. They have been burned with fire and buried beneath mountains of ruins. But the imperial race of heaven has never lost its regal habitation, where dwelt our fathers a hundred generations since. There dwell we still. Don't you think that the creator of the world... The creator of you and me would take an interest in his creation. He does, and especially the human race. We have John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. <clears throat> a few more scriptures I'd like to read, um, showing God's care for us and why we don't need to fear circumstances and the passing of time. We have Matthew 11.28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John 15, verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. First Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Deuteronomy 33, verse 3. Yea, he loved the people. All his saints are in thy hand, and they that sat down at thy feet, everyone shall receive of thy words. Psalm 91, verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91, verses 9 through 10, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore with thy loving kindness have I drawn thee. All right, we see further here in Moses' prayer that he recognized the problems of human mortality. There are several major 
and grave problems that man has, and the reason for them is because of sin. <clears throat> we have a brief time on earth, and that brief time is often plagued with trouble and suffering. After that short time on earth, there is death. And the most troubling fact is that as sinners, we are alienated from God and bound for judgment, aside from the mercy of God. So verse 3, harsh. we have that harsh, cold reality that every one of us is going to die. This destruction means to crush or to grind. It says, thou turnest man to destruction. Does that sound familiar, that crushed? Or grind, crushed into powder or pulverized. We have Genesis 3, verse 19. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt, shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Death is inescapable, and it is, just, it is the just wage or payment for our sin. Hebrews 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Also, we have in Romans 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Aren't you glad for that latter part of that verse? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Death may be inescapable, but we can prepare prepare in advance and allow Christ's blood to cover our sins and redeem us. We also face the brevity of life. Brevity means shortness of time. I mentioned earlier how the older we get, the shorter life seems. Moses was probably around 80 years old when he wrote this psalm, and it was causing him to really think about life too, how short life really is. But even if we could live a thousand years, it would be like um, four hours. He gives that illustration as a watch in the night. He was just illustrating the timeless dimension of God. Time really can't be measured in the light of eternity. We also have his illustration carried away as with the flood. We've heard of flash floods. We've also seen high river banks that maybe just erode the roots of the trees and eventually the tree begins to topple and it falls and then taken downstream. Death may be a surprise and unrelenting powerful current that tugs and eventually carries us away. Also, our brief life is as a sleep, maybe never quite long enough, or maybe um, a fleeting dream that quickly comes and quickly goes. Also, the grass, all beautiful and green, but we reach our prime and we begin to wither and die. Another thing um, we face is the alienation between God and man. Verse 7, God hates sin, and our dire strait is we all are sinners. Sin troubles and destroys us. Verse 8, our sins, open or secret, separate us from God. God is light. He's omniscient. He knows all things, and nothing can be hid. The context of the statement Moses made was to do with Israel wandering in the wilderness Remember, they complained, made bad choices. It was mentioned in devotions as well, how they were afraid of the giants. They looked at the land of Canaan in fear. So because of their unbelief, God said, no, this generation is not going into the land of Canaan. You're going to die in the wilderness. So Moses was lamenting the fact that all this time, the rest of their lives will be wasted in the wilderness because of their bad decisions. 
Their lives would be consumed, spent, wasted, and ended. They would never experience what God really had intended for them. And we have that problem too. This is universal truth, Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans 5, verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We have that age-old problem of sin. We face the wretched trials and sufferings of life as well. Remember we said that all these problems man has are because of sin. We live on a planet that has been cursed by God's wrath against sin. Genesis 3, verses 17 and 18. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Verse 9. There is no getting away from it. All of our life will be um, dealing with trials and sufferings of some sort or another as a tale that is told. It's also translated as like a sigh and with a moan, meaning a low rumbling sound. Ezekiel 2 verse 10, And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. Our time on earth is marked by lamentations, mourning, and woe. Verse 10, Our normal lifespan is 70 to 80 years. Moses notes this, but also notes again that those 70 to 80 years are filled with labor and sorrow, painful toil and trouble. We say that time flies when life is going good and we really, and it really seems to drag when it's not. But I don't think many of us will get to 70 and 80 and say life took forever, so to speak, to get here. I think we'll still look back and say time flew. In spite of life's difficulties, time flies by, and we fly away to eternity. Moses himself was past this age and was grappling with the brevity of life and so on. We also face the reality of God's anger to execute justice. He dooms all who refuse to fear him or revere him. Hebrews 9, verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men, one to die, but after this to judgment. 1 Peter 2, verse 9, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Jude, verses 14 through 16. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all the hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouths speak of great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Also, in verse 11, we face the reality of God's anger to execute justice, but no one fully knows um, or understands the power of God's anger. But we are given warning, and if we are wise, we will fear and revere God because of it. Proverbs 1, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Where do we stand with the fear of God? Do we fear and revere Him, or are we like the description in Romans 3, verse 18, There is no fear of God before their eyes. 
We looked at a rather gloomy picture of the reality of light, but the good news is Christ has solved them all. He died on the cross for our sins. He made atonement. Then he rose again and made it possible for us to overcome sin and death as well. All we need to do is turn our life over to him. Those things we looked at that he has overcome, we need not fear death. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? You know that if Jesus comes today, yet while we are still living and we're ready to meet him, we won't even need to die. But even if we do pass on, we still do not need to fear death. First Thessalonians 4, verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We also um, can look forward to eternal life. John 10, verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We also are no longer alienated from God. Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 13. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We also are going to live eternally, eternally in a new heaven and a new earth. No sin, no trials, no suffering, no tears, no curse. Revelation 21, verses 4 and 5. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. We also need not fear God's wrath and judgment. Yes, we need to have that godly fear and reverence for God, but Christ paid the price for our sin. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. It's wonderful news, isn't it? But let's not forget that the only way to receive these amazing and life-changing blessings from God is to come to Christ in repentance and faith. Let me turn your Bibles to Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 9. We'll read those. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace he was saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. 
For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. All right, now we're going to look at the latter part of this psalm of Moses. Verse 12. Um, Ask God to help us consider our life and to make the best of it for God's glory. Where are we and where are we headed? Earlier on, we paused to consider our life. It was very brief. But each of us personally, as we go through life, we need to stop and consider our life even more deeply and place it before God and His Word, His wisdom. Allow God to speak to our hearts. Learn from our mistakes and accept the help of others. Ask God to come to us to be part of our life. Verse 13, Return, O Lord, how long? Let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Repent here means God's relenting and having mercy. Who of us would be here today if it wasn't for God's mercy? God loves us and cares for us and forgives us. We want God to be part of our life, but shouldn't we also be longing for him to come and receive us to glory? That's also been part of my thoughts as well as I think about my life. You know, if life is going good for us and it feels like we've got everything under control, um, are we going to be praying, return, O Lord, how long? Are we excited for Christ to return for us? Hopefully we still long to have Jesus part of our life even when things seem to be going good. Even the best in life doesn't compare with what God has for us in eternity. All right, verses 14 through 16. Ask God to satisfy us early with his unfailing love, his mercy. We know that God doesn't hold back either. He satisfies, and he satisfies early. Moses prayed and had confidence that God would satisfy his people and show them his love. We can pray the same and have confidence that He will give us something to sing about and be joyful. We can have confidence that he will make our hard things bearable. He will change the hard things for good and even cause us to be thankful for them. We can have confidence that he will show us his mighty works. He will let us know he is near and walking by us as we serve him. We can have confidence he will do it not only for us, but also for our children and on down through the generations. And we can have confidence that he will lead us into the glory of the promised land. Verse 17. Pray for God's blessing on all of our life. We need God to be part of our life. When we stop and consider how short life is and how fragile and confusing it can be, we realize that we need someone or something that is beyond us to help us navigate it and navigate it safely. And that song we just sang is Jesus Christ. We don't want our life to be in vain. We want it to be to count for something. God is the answer. Pray for God's beauty to rest upon us. The meaning of beauty here is favor, grace, pleasantness. We allow God to change our life that way, and then everything we do will be for His glory, and it will be far-reaching and eternal. Our work will not be in vain. And it will be established because it will be God's work, the eternal work of God. What is that phrase we say sometimes when we get to the end of ourselves? Have I gotten to the end of myself? How about you? You have life under control. Where are you headed? 
Have you considered your life and where you might be in a year or two or 60? Any fear or uneasiness? But friends, brothers, sisters, myself included, let's consider our life and surrender it to God. Let's kneel for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are in control of time and that our time is in your hands. We pray that you would just help us all to consider our life and allow you to have full control. We know that we do not even have a promise of tomorrow, but let's help us to be faithful and whether we have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years or whatever it is, help us all to be faithful and to live each day as it could be the last. Pray it would help us to all have a good week and may we serve you faithfully. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.